ESPN Audio and SC Featured presents a 16-episode podcast, Pin Kings. It's the story of two All-American high school wrestlers, teammates, and friends who ultimately ended up on the opposite sides of the war on drugs. Pin Kings is for mature audiences. Welcome to Episode 1, Off the Mat, Off the Grid. After I graduated from West Point, and I was home, just hanging, really relaxing. Brand new second lieutenant, kind of proud of myself. And uh, one night I wanted to just be by myself, have a couple cold beers. This is Kevin Pedersen, a highly decorated former agent for the Drug Enforcement Agency. He's describing an evening in Miami in 1980. Went out to US-1, a shoebox from my mom's house, and went to a, uh, a place called Crown Lounge. I think I had a pair of blue jeans on and an airborne t-shirt. Sat down far end of a bar and ordered a cold beer. And I heard a loud voice yell out, hey, Ped, which is what Alex always called me, Ped, for Pedersen. And the first thing that came to my mind was, holy shit, not Alex. The Alex in Kevin's story is Alex DeCubis. The two were captains of their Miami high school wrestling team in the 1970s. And I looked down and there was at the far end of the bar was like an entourage of people with Alex in the middle. And uh, he came walking on down the bar and, and uh, and that's when I first saw him after all these years. What did he look like? A drug dealer. <laughs> a drug dealer. Uh, he had, uh, you know, the right people around him, pretty people around him, dressed to the nines, you know, dark clothing, gold. As I recall, his, hair, his head was bald, uh, which is the first I'd seen that. Alex had wrestled at heavyweight in high school. Kevin had been a lightweight. His physical difference reflected some real contrasts in personality. Alex was outgoing. Kevin was an introvert. But sports and championships had brought them together. Now the cocaine trade that was overwhelming Miami was about to turn these friends into adversaries. Actually, I went down and sat down with him, and he ordered me another beer. Um, he was drinking, I believe, whiskey. He did make a comment to me then that has stuck with me over the years. And that comment was that... Um, well, you are doing things your way. I know you're going to be an officer in the Army, he says, but I'm going to do things my way, and I'm going to be on top of the world. You just wait and see. And with that, he was smoking a cigar, and he took that cigar, and he put it out in his forehead. When he said, I'm going to do it my way, what did you think that meant? That he obviously was going to be the, the head of the drug empire as best he could be. That he was going to rise up through the ranks of the drug world. And I kind of had the impression he was already getting there. Probably that was the moment that I realized that, that there was a war going on here. And that um, a big part of me wanted to be part of the other side of that. Kevin and Alex were best friends. Champion wrestling buddies. The heydays of Miami. Alex DeCubis was clearly a kingpin. It's a, it's a tragic story. The less you know, the more you leave. I wanted to take out the biggest drug dealers. If they were catching him, he's going away for the rest of his life. If they don't, if they don't kill him when they try to capture him. Could you imagine if Kevin has to shoot Alex? He's a sworn federal agent for a drug enforcement agency. Evil goes to jail or evil ends up dead.
Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. My name is Brett Forrest. I'm our senior writer at ESPN the Magazine. And I'm John Fish, a feature producer for ESPN. Together over the last year, we've spent it reporting on a story that involves the Colombian cocaine cartels, two former All-American high school athletes, the DEA, and the highest level of the narcotics war. And two friends pitted on opposite sides of the drug war. Yeah, it's really the story of these two guys. One who's a hero, uh, the other guy's an anti-hero, and how they were linked through sports, and how personal tragedy, which they each had in their lives, led them towards some really fateful decisions. And their lives were permanently and dramatically altered by the Colombian drug trade. Alex DeCubis was a high school wrestling star in the late 1970s. Dreams of the Olympics legitimate shot at potentially doing it, but he grew up in Miami when the Colombian cocaine was infiltrating South Florida. Yeah, kind of the exact wrong time for a guy of his disposition. Uh, Alex was a heavyweight wrestler. He was uh, this well-known, super well-known athlete in the area who ended up turning into a folkloric outlaw, and he would move eventually tons of Colombian cocaine. Ultimately, Alex became a top priority for the DEA, but the DEA couldn't find him. Alex's buddy uh, in wrestling, Kevin Pedersen, who was also a high achiever, also an All-American in the sport in Miami, he was a lightweight wrestler. And when drugs flooded into Miami, Kevin Pedersen, this guy had a totally opposite reaction to it. Understatement. Kevin believed in order, believed in stability. Military family. Absolutely. Multiple people in his family were members of the military, all the different branches, Navy, Army, Air Force. But ultimately, Kevin would join the very agency that was charged with taking down his friend Alex. Yeah, this is one of the wildest stories I've ever worked on. And, you know, we're, we're still, after a year plus on this story, we're still trying to figure out all the different facets of Alex DeCubis' personality. I mean, everyone we talk to... They all discussed this, this aura. aura. Yeah, exactly, this aura that uh, that Alex DeCubis had. I mean, here was this guy who was a notorious drug kingpin, and nobody had anything bad to say about him. Even uh, Keith Curtis, a former DEA agent who worked for the agency in Miami and in Bogota, here's Keith now. Alex was all personality. Alex uh, could fit into any crowd. He could... Uh he could charm, charm, charm you silly. This is George Reed, who coached Cubis at the University of Georgia. He would come back in the, in the wrestling room after a loss and work even harder because he didn't want to lose again. That's a sign of a champion. And he was that kind of guy. Hard worker, great teammate, champion. But here's the other side of Alex. A frightening guy when he needed to be. Mm-hmm. Stocky, agile, fearless, 5'9", 5'9 190 would take on anyone, anytime. 190 when he was competing. That's not his, his yeah. regular weight. It's like 20, 30 pounds heavier. I mean, big, big, good, big guy. And ultimately, he broke dozens of laws in a violent criminal underworld. Here's Felix Chitiva, a former high-ranking Colombian cartel figure on Alex DeCubis. Big, big, big. The biggest. In Miami, he was, he had a big reputation. In Colombia, he had a lot of Big reputation. Everywhere he was, he had a big reputation. So 
how did this story start for us? A year plus ago, I remember I was in the Middle East. I was on an assignment uh, for a story that's going to come out soon. It was in the Arab Gulf. And a source from South Florida, strangely enough, uh, he gets in contact with me and he starts telling me this incredible story. And uh, sorry, John, I didn't realize what time zone you were I, I in. Was, I was in L.A. <laughs> I called you. I remember. <laughs> you, you called me. It was four in the morning. I was uh, in L.A. Yeah. working sorry, on the man. Manny Pacquiao story. Okay. Phone goes off at four in the morning. I look at it. Beeps. There's an email from you. I call you. I said, Brett, it's four in the morning. Um, but you said in that email, I think I've got one for us. And we got to Miami as quickly as we could. The moment I read the story or the synopsis that you had written me, I knew that there was something there. And when we got there, we met the other star of the story, Kevin Pedersen, former high-ranking, decorated drug enforcement agent. First time I met Alex DeCubis was at a Little League baseball game. This is Kevin remembering back to about 1970. It was one of the all-star games. I played for um, what was the Sunnyland Optimist baseball team. He played for the Corey League team, which was over, you know, the next neighborhood over. And he was always, the, you know, the biggest uh, pitcher, and everybody was scared to face him. And um, I was a little tiny second baseman, but I was all-star every year. He was all-star every year. And um, that first all-star, we had an all-star game where our, our league played their league. And, um, and I remember I got up to bat. And uh, he intentionally walked me. He struck out just about everybody else, yeah, but he intentionally walked me. I, I think as the story goes, he kind of felt like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this little guy. He, he was doing you a favor? Yes. But he didn't know you? No. no. You, hadn't you hadn't met. met. You hadn't, hadn't spoken met. yet. First time I ever met him was after that game. But why do you think he was doing you a favor? I don't know. I think we had a bond. I think we had a yeah, bond. Without knowing each other? Without knowing each other. How's that possible? I don't know. I don't know. I'll never understand. You've you got to help me understand this a little more. Never understand it. I think that, I think that, that there's a part of Alex the Cubist that he has a, a heart that's as big as gold. Um, and I think he wants to look out for the little guy. And I think I was one of those little guys. And that's what lies at the heart of this story. From everyone we've met, Alex looking out for the little guy... Right. And this connection between Kevin and Alex, it fits his personality, even though he would later become a drug trafficker. Yeah, he's like the uh, the drug dealer with a heart of gold. <laughs> yes, yes. Kevin and Alex, Alex and Kevin. Dom Gorey, who was the commander, this cosmic link, speaking of cosmic, was the commander of the space shuttle Endeavor. He was also a teammate of theirs. Dom has more. These two guys from way different families, from way different outlooks, were together, and they they had this bond. And they did that because they had this similar kind of drive, a need for success, a demand for success. Um, And they shared it, and they both achieved at this extremely high level. In high school, Kevin wrestled at 110 pounds. This was at uh, Palmetto High School in Miami. And Alex was, was twice that size. Here's Barry Zimbler, their coach. Alex was Kevin's protector. So if any kids tried to fool around with Kevin, here would come Alex. <laughs> and he would set him straight. So I think that was pretty much the bond. They, they, they looked out for each other. 
So Kevin and Alex, always linked. 1976, they helped Palmetto win a state title. As captains. They were co-captains of the team. This program, Palmetto, was amazing. Yeah, and uh, a lot of a lot of publicity. Very popular program. Um, you got to remember South Florida back then. There wasn't a lot going on from a professional level f- for sports. It no was, baseball. It was just the Miami Dolphins and high school sports. And in the winter, it was wrestling and high school basketball. Wrestling took center stage. Right. And their uh, their matches, Palmetto High School's matches. People falling out of the rafters. I mean, they would have if upwards you look, of a thousand people. If you look at the film, there's old film of this. Because they were so popular, they would send the local TV news crew. There is film of Palmetto with the people on the crowded stands. Yeah, high school wrestling. It's crazy to think about. They, were, they had cheerleaders there, something like from the football team would go there. Um, and how, they, how good were they? Well... They were a powerhouse. They Palmetto once won 37 matches in a row. Here's Dom Gorey again. When you put soldiers together in a, in a foxhole, um, you get as close as you can be. When you put young men together in a wrestling room that demands from them a, a certain sacrifice, a certain level of um, dedication and, and sweat and blood and hurting and beating each other up, um, you can't help but have this this bond that's that's really really tight. In addition to the team championship, Alex and Kevin both were individual champions in their respective weight classes. So you're talking about winning the title for Palmetto, right. but also Kevin in his weight class and Alex in his weight class. Dominant. They were two of the best wrestlers in the history of South Florida. Mm-hmm. Pictured together in the ultimate crowning moment in Sports Illustrated's Faces in the Crowd in 1976, which at that time was a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, think about the sports media landscape back there in the mid-70s. I mean, you had Sports Illustrated. I think you had, what, Inside Sport or Sport Magazine, I think. Something like that. Uh, You had... But from the national, wide world of sports, national publications, Sports Illustrated was the oh yeah no that was the gold standard and to appear in that as a high school athlete, uh, it basically for, for a lot of people in in Miami it made these guys iconic, uh, plain and simple and you couldn't get more all American than that. But John, all of that was about to change in a big way, and nobody saw it coming. Pablo Escobar smuggled his first load of cocaine into the United States in 1975. By that time, lighter drugs had become almost normal every day in South Florida. Here's Kevin. Palmetto High School in the 1970s. Um, We're talking about when I graduated, it was 76, so it was the bicentennial year. you know, drugs and rock and roll and, and everything else. I, I can tell you this, when you walked in from the parking lot in the morning to go to class, you didn't have to worry about the mosquitoes, which there were plenty, because the, the, the parking lot was full of the aroma of marijuana. The drug trade was about to overrun South Florida. Serious drugs, not just pot. Yeah, and over the next decade, as these drugs just kept coming into the the region this was going to test the bond that Alex and Kevin had made on the wrestling mat 
You look at Alex DeCubis, he, he came from a good family. He was a good kid. I mean, he, he was a little rambunctious, but but he was a good kid with good values. He was a leader of men, his coach said. Yeah, he was he was a hero and a leader, and other kids looked up to him. Uh, and, and at home, he had two loving parents. He, he had an older a brother. brother. Um, and as an All-American athlete, Alex was severely opposed to drug use. He was a party guy, but party in the sense of let's have a couple beers on the beach with a bonfire in South Florida. Yeah, it was pretty innocent stuff. Uh, I mean, Alex didn't know anything about drugs and certainly certainly didn't know anything about the drug trade. Well, his focus was to be an athlete. Right, right. He wanted to he wanted to represent the U.S. in Moscow in the Olympics in 1980. But by the late 1980s, he had become something else. Alex was operating possibly one of the largest cocaine trafficking operations in the eastern United States. He was smuggling in tons of pure cocaine in each load, using enormous coastal freighters, and always the innovator trying to find other ways to do it. He was responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars in street sales. It's, it's really incredible when you think about where he started uh, a good kid, good family, all-American athlete. He was accepted. Uh, he was uh, he was a heroic guy, um, and you know the, the idea that he would would make the decisions that he made that would uh, lead him to into a life of crime. I mean, it you don't see that often. No, it doesn't. It doesn't really happen often when, especially when you've attained so much success in one walk of life. In this case, sport and wrestling. But at one point. He did leave all that behind, and he joined up with some people and got involved in a very hazardous business. Well, he started off in the drug trade in what they called ripping, or ripping off other drug dealers. It's, as it's been explained to me, 100% pure profit because the drug dealers that have the drugs, then you steal it from them, so now you're not paying anyone, and then you're reselling the drugs. Right. I mean, it might make some economic sense, but boy, how dangerous is that? I mean, uh, Alex and his, his cohorts, they would, they would pretend to be DEA agents. They would storm into a room where they knew there were some guys who were holding on to some drugs and some cash. Stop. DEA. Yeah. Everybody would go down. They'd pull out their guns. Nobody knew what was happening, and they would take all their product and, and get out of there. When they weren't really DEA. No. Um, this is Paul Pelletier, a federal prosecutor who led the case against Alex DeCubis. Incredibly dangerous, deadly dangerous um, enterprise. Um, if the Colombians learn that you rip their cocaine, they either want to get paid back, or if they don't get paid back, they want you dead. DeCubis had plenty of enemies. An enemy is not just uh, ripping, but... Um Every time he executed a smuggling operation, there were huge risks. True. I mean, this wasn't. Uh, this is not normal business. I mean, you you had uh, uh, police coming after you. You had uh, trying to take you down if, if something went wrong during an operation. The the Colombian suppliers. Uh, I mean, they're going to come looking for you. Keith Curtis, formerly of the DEA, transportation specialist has to guarantee to the sources of supplies, in this particular case in Colombia, that uh, he's going to successfully 
bring the load of cocaine into the United States on their behalf. And that's what Alex did. Alex had a tremendous amount of responsibility because failure to achieve that could be deadly in this particular uh, industry. While Alex was climbing the ranks of the drug trade, his old wrestling buddy, Kevin Pedersen, was undergoing some serious turmoil in his personal life. Kevin, the straight arrow, he was touched by drugs as well. Drugs led to his divorce. Drugs pulled his life out from under him. And that's when Kevin decided to do something about the cocaine trade. It's wild. And that's when the Alex and Kevin, Kevin and Alex story, took a remarkable turn. Kevin joined the DEA. I hated what I saw the results of drugs were in people. It affected my family. Um, it affected my friends. I seen what my friends had become. We ruined them. Destroyed them. Took control of them. Especially those that are addicted to drugs. I mean, they're a slave to the drug. I wanted to fight that. Kevin didn't become a DEA agent to get rich or, you know, because he wanted to wave a gun around or a badge. Uh, we've heard this before, but, but for Kevin, the war on drugs was personal. And on Kevin's first day in the DEA, 1991, as if he needed to be reminded of this fact, he discovered the agents across the hall were handling the Alex DeCubis case. Here's Kevin again. I said, man, oh man, he is the big time. I wasn't aware of the vastness of the, of the control that he had. I thought, in my mind, well, okay, South Florida. It's extended far beyond South Florida, the eastern coast of the United States. But he was a big player, a huge player, that he was the worst of the worst. A badass drug trafficker, ruthless. It was a big case. You know, everybody wanted Alex. They wanted Alex in a big way. And this put Kevin and Alex on the brink. Here's Dom Gorey. They were together in faces in the crowd. They were co-captains of this powerful wrestling program. And, and I, that's, that's the key to this, this, this relationship that Kevin and Alex have, is, is that they had this bond. But I cannot imagine a more diametrically opposed set of personalities um, and what they ended up doing in life. But what they shared, what they, what they had in common was wrestling. The U.S. government wanted Alex DeCubis. The DEA was actively searching for him. But nobody knew where he was. Uh, this was 1991. Alex was at the very apex of his wealth and power. And he had an incredible operation, making incredible amounts of money. And all of a sudden, this guy just disappears. No one in Miami could find him. But there were plenty of theories. Had something gone wrong with the Colombians? Yeah, you think about his, his ripping days. Was an enemy from that time? Did, did someone resurface? Was Alex cooperating with authorities? Yeah, it, it could have been. No, nobody knew because Alex was a ghost. He had disappeared and his former co-captain on the wrestling team, who had just joined the DEA, sworn to bring him down. And that set up a few questions that, that are still out there today. Where is Alex DeCubis, the, the biggest, biggest drug, drug trafficker, trafficker you've never heard of? Exactly. And would the DEA and his good friend Kevin Pedersen from, from the wrestling met ever track him down? 
Thank you for listening to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. You can follow Pin Kings on Twitter at ESPN Pin Kings. That's at ESPN Pin Kings. A preview of the next episode follows this message. Next up on episode two of the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings, From Farm to Table. I never believed in the, in, the, in the big project like that. But I knew it was going to come true because Alex was behind him. Obviously, Alex was changing his methods. He should be working for Lockheed Martin or something. What Alex DeCubis was building, nothing compares to it. This would have been a disaster for the United States. Don't miss an episode. You can listen and subscribe to the Pin Kings podcast in the ESPN app or download and listen on Apple Podcasts.